Silence is golden, especially when it comes to brakes. That's why Napa Silent Guard are built to be one of the smoothest and most quiet brakes on the market. Made with fiber-reinforced shims that eliminate noise for the life of the pad, rubber-coated hardware for a better fit, and quality design that meets and exceeds OE performance. Silent Guard brakes deliver the stopping power drivers demand. Available now at Napa locations nationwide. Warning, this product contains nicotine. Nicotine is an addictive chemical, underage sale prohibited. Introducing Zone Nicotine Pouches, the perfect balance of unparalleled comfort, longer-lasting flavor, and nicotine that satisfies. Whether you're zoning in during the race or zoning out after a tough day at work, Zone gets you there faster and keeps you there longer. Available in seven flavors and in six and nine milligram strengths. Find Zone at zonepouches.com and retailers near you. Own your Zone with Zone Nicotine Pouches. The following is a production of the Motor Racing Network, the voice of NASCAR. The Motor Racing Network presents NASCAR Live. Difícil estar juntos. Bandera Blanca Partner Blaney ha hecho lo que tiene que hacer, ¿eh? no hay nada que reclamarle. Ahora viene Sindrick por la parte de arriba. Te dejo con las últimas dos curvas que narres la victoria de Daniel. No les beneficia estar juntos. Ahora lo que necesita Blaney es un super empuje. Kyle Busch está tratando de meterse. Están haciendo el trigo del El espacio es muy reducido. Daniel. ¿Quién va a salir mejor? ¿Quién va a salir mejor pisado? Puede ser Daniel. Daniel. Puede ser Kyle Busch. Venimos pegados. ¿Quién se la va a llevar? Este es un momento. Daniel. ¿Quién? Es un fotofinish. Parece que es de Daniel. Daniel Suárez. Para todo México, para toda América Latina, partner. Daniel Suárez se la acaba de llevar milimétrica. Ahora les platicamos, son tres milésimas de segundo. Tres milésimas, partner, eso no es nada. Vean ustedes en este momento lo que son tres milésimas para México. NASCAR Live is brought to you by Toyota. For the latest Toyota racing information, visit toyotaracing.com. From the MRN Studios in Concord, North Carolina, here is your host, Mike Bagley. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another edition of NASCAR Live. And that is a way to start the show, my friends. We salute our friends at NASCAR MX for the alternative language call of Daniel Suarez going to victory lane over the weekend at Las Vegas Motor Speedway. And what a win that was, man. Three one thousandths of a second, three wide across the line. We got lots to talk about as far as that is concerned on today's show. And we've got lots coming your way over the course of the next 60 minutes. We're going to chat with Daytona 500 winner William Byron. He sat down with Kim Kuhn. Of course, he, Rudy Fugel, Rick Hendrick, Hendrick Motorsports, still bathing in the accolades of winning the Great American Race. Kim is also going to catch up with Rick Hendrick. I'll also sit down with Atlanta race winner Daniel Suarez. We'll preview this weekend's trip to the Las Vegas Motor Speedway. We're triple dipping again. Trucks on Friday, Xfinity on Saturday, and Cup on Sunday, and a whole lot more coming your way. But first... Kyle Ricky is here with a check of the latest headlines in NASCAR. Kyle? Mike, NASCAR announced penalties for the teams of Noah Gregson and Ryan Priest after the race weekend at the Atlanta Motor Speedway. The teams have been penalized 35 driver and owner points for violating the rules regarding the roof air deflectors. NASCAR officials confiscated the parts after Friday's pre-race inspection. NASCAR Senior Vice President of Competition Elton Sawyer addressed the potential penalties Tuesday on Sirius XM NASCAR Radio and said, quote, obviously it's not a next-gen certified part, but it has to meet the CAD drawing. In this case, it didn't meet them. 
unquote. NASCAR also fined Joey Logano $10,000 for an alteration to his racing glove. Logano's glove was webbed between the thumb and forefinger, so when he stuck it out the window last weekend during his qualifying run, it could create an aerodynamic advantage. Hendrick Motorsports has announced its NASCAR Xfinity Series schedule for its number 17 HendrickCars.com Chevrolet Camaro. In total, the car will compete in 10 races starting next weekend in Phoenix, where William Byron will be behind the wheel. Alex Bowman, Chase Elliott, and Kyle Larson will all split time competing in the car. Only one event will have a non-Hendrick NASCAR Cup Series driver, as longtime road course ace and fan favorite Boris Said will make an appearance in the seat at the Sonoma Raceway. Mike. Thank you, Kyle. Coming up, William Byron will join us. Kyle Larson brings his Chevy Ford Tires to Noco Racing Fuel. From fueling NASCAR champions on the track for over 20 years to innovating 94 octane, the highest octane on the market. Performance is what Sunoco does. All Sunoco fuel at the pump meets the same top-tier standards as the fuel used in NASCAR. Money's back here for Ryan Blaney. Four tires with Sunoco fuel. From the track to your tank, you can trust Sunoco to help your vehicle perform at its peak. This is NASCAR Live. Now, back to Mike Bagley. Welcome back to NASCAR Live. Eight days ago, William Byron scored the biggest victory of his career when he took the checkered flag in the 66th Daytona 500. This comes after William had the best season of his career last year. Kim Coon sat down with the winner of the Harley J. Earl Trophy to discuss that win and heading back to a track where he won last year. We're talking, obviously, about Las Vegas Motor Speedway. Off turn number four, racing down the short straightaway in the Daytona 500. Blocking on and they're crashing, sliding across the grass. Ross Chastain, Austin Sindrick get in it. Caution is on the speedway. The white flag was in the air. I'm not sure if the leader passed the start-finish line or not. Checkered flag is in the air, and William Byron has won the Daytona 500. William Byron out front when it mattered the most as they began crashing behind him. The winner of the 66th running of the Daytona 500 is William Byron. So, William, you've etched your name officially in history as a Daytona 500 champion. Congrats on that. But what was going through your head when the team came on the radio? Because there was this kind of back and forth of, of, did we win? And they were like, you had won. What were you thinking in that moment? Yeah, it was, it felt like eternity when they were, they were uh, kind of waiting for the word and I already feel like sometimes I panically ask my team for information and they they don't they either don't want to tell me or they don't know yet. So it just was one of those moments where I feel like I was just, you know, begging Rudy for an answer. And uh, and then he came over the radio and was he was emotional and I was hoping that was for a good reason. So um, and I could kind of tell. But um, but yeah, just kind of that back and forth was pretty funny sequence between myself and the, the three of us and it was just uh once i once i found out just going through the cooldown lap just was like a, a very short reflection about all that it takes to get to that point uh, it was funny you mentioned rudy being kind of emotional i hadn't seen him like that and i interviewed him on the pit box right after you guys took the checkered flag and he said something to the effect of you know, we're Daytona 500 champions and champion is the key word. And that's what we're going after this year. Do you feel like this win makes you an early favorite for the title? Yeah, I mean, 
I don't know. We have to see kind of how we how we go through the season. I mean, we we definitely don't want to. No matter, nothing's going to take away from this race, but we definitely don't want to disappear for the rest of the year. So it's um, really important that we keep the effort up. I mean, I'm sure we just get got to go through the weeks and get the rhythm going. And certainly that's the goal. I mean, we have a, a bit of a chip on our shoulder to come short last year and be so close and have such a good year. So um, lots to prove for sure. You won the 500 on the 40th anniversary of Hendrick Motorsports' first start. What was the very first thing that Mr. H said to you when you saw him in victory lane after the win? He was just so proud, and he just asked me how it felt to be a Daytona 500 champion. So, I mean, it was such a cool moment because I've been able to have a few moments like that with him, but it was pretty neat. The last six to seven months, we've gotten a lot closer and spent some more time together. And I feel like I'm finally comfortable around him. And he probably, I don't know if he picks up on that or not, but I just finally feel like I've, I've maybe done enough or been around enough to feel like I can talk to him as more of a, a mentor and a friend than anything. So pretty cool moment for sure with him and something I'll remember. What's the media tour been like? What's been the highlight celebrating this win in New York City? It was just really cool because for me, like that, that's a dream market to be a part of. And growing up in Charlotte as a Charlotte kid and my sister living in New York, there's always kind of that like desire to, to be up there and to see what it's like and to go and do some of the tours that we did. There wasn't a bad interview. <laughs> Honestly, it was it was something I enjoyed every time. So I was very light on sleep and the beginning of the the uh, morning, I don't know how my eyes were staying open, but it was it was really good to go through all the different interviews. Where are the ring and the Harley J. Earls trophy going to live? I don't know. I the trophy will probably live on the coffee table for a little while. Wow. Um, and then the the ring lives on my nightstand. So I don't know. It just I, I hate I, I shouldn't say I don't hate trophies, but I don't like actively look at them. But this one's a little different. So I think I might keep this one out just as a reminder. William, congratulations down here. Your emotions, your thoughts as you are now a Daytona 500 champion. It's honestly, uh, it's surreal still. I, I can't believe I'm in this position. Um, I'm just trying to take it in. Honestly, it's a. Uh, it's incredible. I mean, I, I didn't grow up in racing, and I, I had a very different background than everyone I race against, but it just uh, it's a, incredible to be on this stage, have this platform with Exalta and Team Hendrick, and um, I'm just very, very blessed. You lead all drivers in the Cup Series with nine wins in the next-gen car since it was introduced. How have you adapted so well to this iteration of car and what you need to do to be successful in it? Uh, I think really, I was in the perfect time of my career to for a lot of the habits that old the old drivers had to not really carry over for me. I, I'd only spent, you know, I won I think two races with the old car, but like I hadn't had the knowledge and the and the experience that they did. So honestly, the next gen was a perfect transition for me to hit the ground running. Like we started. We actually, I was the first one to test the car and crashed it. But uh, other than that, I guess that that first test, I was very nervous that my career was going to be short because I was like, I, if I can't drive this new car, what's going to happen? But other than that, it's been all good things since then. So maybe that challenge or, or whatever it was kind of motivated me. But I felt like as soon as we started actually testing the car with our team, uh, we were really fast from that first test at Charlotte. We led a bunch of laps in the test. And so um, I feel like it's just kind of clicked.
you had a six win season last year. Do you see the possibility of breaking that and, and having a seven win season or more? Yeah, it's really hard. I mean, we had a lot of things go our way last year. Um, I feel like for us to, to win as many races this year and not have as many things go well, we're going to have to be more dominant and be in position to win more often. But um, but yeah, I hope that's the goal is hopefully we can capitalize on, on the wins. And I feel like in NASCAR, if you can have a three win season, that's a very successful year. So that's always my goal is get to three wins and everything on top of that is kind of icing on the cake. Fast forward to Las Vegas. You are last year's winner in the spring Las Vegas race. So what's the outlook headed into this year's Vegas race? Yeah, I mean, I only remember our, our last race there. And um, I mean, on paper, we finished seventh, but we lost a, a bunch of points in that race. We didn't, we kind of ran seventh to 10th in the playoff race. So kind of bummed about that and feel like there's a lot of work to do. So um, not really resting on what we did there in the in the spring last year. Just a lot's changed since then. And we've worked pretty hard in the sim to get a better package for there. So kind of intrigued to see if we're faster there because uh, the, the fall, I wouldn't say it was a nightmare, but we were not having fun. It was, you know, we, our car would fall off a lot on, on the long run. So we just, we need to look at some notes, but I think, I think we've got a lot of notes to look at. Thank you, Kim. Coming up, Kim sits down with Daytona 500 winning team owner, Rick Hendrick. Wheelan Engineering, a global leader in the emergency warning industry, designs and manufactures reliable and powerful warning lights, white illumination lighting, sirens, controllers, and warning systems for the automotive, aviation, and mass notification industries worldwide. Wheelan products are designed, sourced, and manufactured in America and tested on site to meet the toughest industry standards. Wheelan Engineering, manufactured in America for over 70 years. We never left, and we're here to stay. This is NASCAR Live. Now, back to Mike Bagley. Welcome back to NASCAR Live. On the exact 40th anniversary of his team's first race, Rick Hendrick laid claim to yet another Daytona 500 trophy. What were Rick's emotions when William won that race? And what are the expectations for HMS for the rest of 2024? Kim Kuhn sat down with Mr. H to find out. So this Daytona 500 win comes on the anniversary of Hendrick Motorsports' first start. In the moment, did it feel like a dream? You know, celebrating 40 years has has been like a dream. Just planning that all year, we've been we've been planning that for over a year, and then to go down there and for it to be on that day, 40 years later, to win the Daytona 500, it's it was almost just like a script. You know, couldn't couldn't have happened at, in a better time. And so, just reflecting back, I thought about it that night. And how many people we had down there. And then the first time I showed up, I was thinking, I, I shouldn't be here. Here's Richard Petty and, the, you know, Wood Brothers, Junior Johnson. And I should I don't know what I'm doing here. <laughs> and we actually finished seventh, I think. And uh, But we had like five or six people, and that was it. And uh, so just thinking back to what's happened here. I've done a lot of reflecting on the last 40 years and uh, you stay so busy sometimes you just you think about what you got to do tomorrow and I've tried to since this race uh, spend more time going back and thinking about getting started and how you know humble I feel that has happened how blessed I feel and uh, 
talking to old friends that uh, I went to high school with, I had 400 and some text messages. Wow. And uh, I never had that many. Never. And that that was, even when championships, never had that many. So uh, it's been, I think, again, just, just taking the time to reflect back and then to know what this race means. And it's been 10 years since we won it. We had William Byron on NASCAR Live, and he talked about how he finally feels like he's in this space where he can have a relationship with you or or a different type of relationship. And and granted, the first time you met him, he was very young. How have you seen your relationship with William evolve? You know, William is so unique. In some ways, he's still that little bashful guy Mm -hmm. that I met long ago. But when he puts the helmet on, He's different. You know, it's a different William today than I remember him being. I just, you know, what impressed me so much with William was I heard the story about William. You know, I I, I met him at JRM, but my neighbor said when he was winning those truck races, uh, I forgot that he was the same guy. And, um, And then I thought about it when I talked to him. You know, if you can be an Eagle Scout, and you can go to Country Day here in Charlotte and be top of your class and take Liberty College credits and win that series he was in, then one of those is pretty special. But to do four of them, I just knew he was a special, he's a special guy. And I thought he was, to win all the races he won, he had had to have talent, Mm -hmm. you know. And I felt like we put him around the right people it would it, it would come. It actually has been faster than I thought um, because what he's did last year, winning more races than anyone. Uh, Rudy's just unbelievable. But you know, when you get that two guys, that crew chief and the driver, that really click, mm-hmm. you know, it's uh, it's super special. But I called William out of the blue the other night and said, "What are you doing?" It's a playoff game in the NFL. And I said, you want to come eat pizza? My wife's out of town. And come on over. And so we had a good time. We talked about a lot of things and watched the ball game. And uh, he's just special. He's just a – he has the respect of everybody on the track. And you couldn't ask for a better role model. And he will grow into that. Mm -hmm. He's got to get comfortable there. But uh, the, the, all the wins last year, the big disappointment he when he didn't win the championship. But that's a hard one to do. Yeah. But he's, he's come along, and he's going to be a great champion. He's still, when, when you look at an athlete that puts in the work, I remember Jimmy Johnson, and I was amazed at how Jimmy Johnson worked out. And he was the first guy that said, you know, that broke the, the corners down into eighths. Mm-hmm. And he says this, 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 and this. And everybody copied him. Because I've been, I've been listening on the radio for years. You know. And Jimmy was the guy who said, hey, we need to get all the drivers together and debrief. Now, I could have said that, and they would never have done it. Mm-hmm. But when Jimmy Johnson said, we need to debrief, then everybody jumped in. So I see William coming along like Jimmy. He's not going to be satisfied He's not going to feel like he arrived and give up what got him here, the studying the tapes, the being in the simulator. 
breaking down the car. He's just going to get better. You talked about Rudy Fugel, and as I look at the crew chief driver pairings over the course of Hendricks' history, you know, the one that obviously stands out is Chad Knauss and Jimmy Johnson, but then, you know, pretty swiftly after their tenure came to an end, people started talking about Kyle Larson and Cliff Daniels and that relationship emulating that, and now as we look at Rudy and William, do you feel like they're kind of following that path of this could be one of the the great driver crew chief pairings in the cup series i think it absolutely can i think when i go back and look at ray and jeff how they came up together and jimmy and chad you know and all of those relationships you know alan and terry Mm -hmm. you know yeah there's Uh, been so many yeah it's been a bunch of them but rudy gives william the confidence that william needed with having the guy that he was so close to in the truck series and that they understood each other. And uh, sometimes as guys, sometimes when a driver matures, he breaks away from, he wants, he, he doesn't think he needs the help that, that sometimes a coach, kind of a coaching uh, crew chief gives him. But uh, Ru- Rudy and William, William really, really looks up to Rudy. And so, and they are magic together. I think it's going to be as good as anyone we've ever had. As you look at what they've been able to accomplish, William has won the most races of any cup driver in the next-gen car to date at nine. Last year, they, they took home six victories. Those six victories last year, does that, as you guys plan for your goals this year for the entire organization, does that kind of set the benchmark of what you're expecting from the teams? Well, you know, I've been in this long enough to know that sometimes you, you get on a streak and they don't change anything mm-hmm. and somebody else starts winning and you're not winning like you, you you used to. I think what I've seen with our organization, how they're working together and uh, sharing information. And um, the competition's fierce out there. I think Ford's got a new car and Toyota's got a new car. We're yet to see the downforce and drag on the intermediate tracks and how that's going to play out. So we just got to keep our heads down and do our job and uh, and, and just just keep working hard. And uh, But I do see the table was kind of reset when they went to the next-gen car. And so William was pretty equal with everybody. So it wasn't that he'd been in that car for years and years. So all of a sudden, the guy that works the hardest spends the most time. And then, too, sometimes old habits are hard to break when you go. You want to feel that you used to have, and this car is not that way. But uh, but anyway, he's 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 going to do extremely well. And again, I think the difference is with William, uh, he wants to learn more. He can never get enough mm-hmm. tapes. And he 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 was breaking down a race he'd watched on tape, and he said, "I know the move I should have made. I know, and, I, and you know, it's it's like he's a sponge." Yeah. And so I'm glad I've got him. <laughs> he goes back and watches the race right after they've finished. Yeah. To yeah. see what he could have done better. Yeah. Yeah. Never that never satisfied. Always wanting to learn and never thinking he's arrived. You know, that's pretty special. No matter how good you are and how how what your results are, he's he's thinking I could have been better. Coming up, I'll sit down with Atlanta winner Daniel Suarez. 
care to home and auto repair. Do it with Craftsman. Find the tools, equipment, and storage you need at your local Lowe's, Ace Hardware, or Craftsman.com. This is NASCAR Live. Now, back to Mike Bagley. Welcome back to NASCAR Live. As we've discussed already, it was a thrilling three-wide finish to the checkered flag of the Atlanta Motor Speedway. Daniel Suarez winning by three one-thousandths of a second, and he joins us on the hotline right now. Daniel, congratulations. Welcome to NASCAR Live. How are we doing? Thank you so much, my friend. Um, yeah, do, doing good. Um, it's, been a, it's been a little busy, a little busy uh, week so far, but... Uh, well, can't complain. You know, it's, it's it's always good to be busy when when you when when you win a race. So um, I take it every day of the week. You know, your path to victory lane Sunday was not without um, consternation. You got turned around early. You had damage early. You guys hung in there all day, and you were at the right place at the right time. Connect the dots from beginning to end. What was your roller coaster day like in Atlanta? Yeah, you know, it was it was definitely a roller coaster. Um, lap two. I mean, the beginning of lap two. Um, they start wrecking in front of me. I start slowing down. I get pushed from behind, and then I push somebody else. And, you know, I feel like we got very, very lucky that my car was not damaged, you know, enough. I mean, it was damaged, but it, was, it, wasn't, it wasn't bad enough. And my team did a, a great job uh, making repairs and, and, and understanding how bad the car was, which it wasn't too bad, but, but they, they had to make some small repairs anyways. And and uh, pretty much we we spent the entire stage one making sure that the car was right and and then for stage two you know we we went to we went to race and it was the first time that we actually I had real comments about the car because the car the damage was already fixed obviously and and we started making adjustments on the car I thought that uh, we made the car much better for stage three and and that was when we were actually able to to move towards the front. So you got the car right. You're able to get yourself back in contention, and then you were there at the end. As you're drawing to the end of the race Sunday, when did you realize that you had a shot to win that race? You know, I, I realized that we had a shot to win the race when when I made a pass to the 11 car, three wide bottom, and uh, getting to a three, and they start wrecking uh, because when I was making that move, uh, later on, the, the, the 14 made a similar move, and then he ended up wrecking the, the, the 11 and a few others. And at that point, I found myself running fourth. And, and when I found myself running fourth, I thought to myself, man, I can see the leader pretty close, so I, we have a shot to win this thing. And, uh, and my car was actually driving very good at that point, and uh, the, the best it was the entire day. And at that point, I, I, I really had in my mind, okay, we can, we can really win this thing. We just have to make some good calls here, get some good pushes, and, and try to gain a little more track position. And, um, and I, I was fortunate to, to work well with the eight. Uh, the eight was very strong all day long. And, uh, and together we went to, uh, to the front, and, 
and then we, we ended up fighting over the outs the, for the win with the 8 and the 12, which to me, they were two of the strongest cars uh, most of the day. When you went to the high side, though, coming into three, coming to the checkered flag, did you know that that was the right move to make? When did you know that when you center on in there all the way up top that it was going to stick and you were going to get the momentum you needed to get around the both of them? Well, I didn't know it was the right move. I knew, I mean, I tried to pass the 12 car twice and, and both times I tried the outside, but I never I never had enough momentum to actually make the move. Um, if, you, if you, I can pick today, hey, do you want to pass somebody bottom or top? I prefer the top. Uh, but really, in that situation, I didn't have an option. It was either that or, or, or do not make the move. And, you know, Luckily, the the 23 pushed the 8, and he got the run on the 12, and then I was able to get a little bit of a run and side-drop the 8 back, and then we kind of slowed down to each other. Uh, so that, that kind of worked out uh, great because the, the, the outside line, which was the preferred line, it wasn't moving forward at the time because – I was leading that line, and the two car uh, was behind me, and he wasn't he wasn't pushing me. He was slowing down on purpose for me not to get a run on his teammates. So it was it was a little bit tricky there because I knew that I was not getting a lot of help from behind. So so the best thing that could have happened to me was the 23 pushing the eight and the eight making the move and me making the move on the eight. So, so it was it was a chain reaction of things, uh, and and you know, luckily things work out. And of course, the eight we're speaking of is Kyle Busch, the twelve of Ryan Blaney, and the twenty three of Bubba Wallace. We know what this win does as far as making you eligible for the playoffs. You're also uh, eligible for the owners' championship as well, and there's a lot of momentum to come from that. But what does this win Sunday do for you personally? I mean, folks are noticing. It seems like you're more focused. You're more driven. What does this do as far as a personal or professional satisfaction considering the challenges that you and the team had last year? You know, man, this is, this is a very big deal, and I want to tell you why. Um, I promise to you that I haven't thought playoffs for one second in the last three days. I haven't even think about it. For me, the biggest thing has been how – how this is going to affect my team. You know, we have, we, we restructured the 99 team a decent amount uh, in the off season. And, and, you know, things, we, we, we went to work in the off season, probably one of the busiest off seasons that I have had. And, 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 and to, to obviously to know that we, we put the work in the off season to try to, to build that chem- that chemistry, that communication with uh, Matt Swidorski, my my crew chief, and and the new pit crew guys, and and a couple new people in the team, and and to know that we were strong in Daytona, we were running up front, we got the stage points on the duels in 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 pretty much in every stage points in, during the race, and and to show up in in Atlanta and win the race. That's that's a big deal for for a team that uh, that just got together, you know. For a team that uh, that that changed, uh, you know, a decent amount of people in the group. So, so I'm I'm already very very happy, very excited for my group. I think that uh, we have 
tremendous amount of potential, and, uh, and we have to continue to stay hungry and, and understand what we did right, understand what we did wrong, and, and continue to, to be better. Your next opportunity to do that will be this weekend at Las Vegas Motor Speedway. For our listeners that don't know, what kind of challenges are thrown your way with a racetrack, a pure mile-and-a-half racetrack like Las Vegas is? Yeah, I think I think Las Vegas is going to be an extremely important race for everyone um, because we're going to uh, really understand where is our, uh, our mile-and-a-half uh, package, right? Because... Uh, you know, the, the Fords have a new body, the Toyotas have a new body. Uh, we have the same body with the Camaro, but, but in the 99, we, we have a lot, of, a lot of different pieces and a lot of different, you know, systems that we are applying uh, to, to be able to try to perform better. Uh, so, so I think it's going to be extremely important to, to see where we stack up, you know, in, in, in Las Vegas. And, and I think that that we're putting putting the work to 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 be strong, but in reality we won't know until we get there. So uh, looking forward to to see where we are. And it's the Penn's Oil 400 Sunday Las Vegas Motor Speedway. Daniel's next opportunity to score another win. Our friends at the Performance Racing Network will have the call. Daniel, we wish you the best. Congratulations, my friend, on striking early and getting win one under your belt. Here's to many more this season, my friend. Again, congratulations on behalf of all of us at MRN. Thank you so much, my friend. Thank you so much for, for having me. And uh, I really, really appreciate your time. Um, hopefully, hopefully we have uh, we have the opportunity to talk again soon uh, with some, 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 some more good results. That's Daniel Suarez striking early here in 2024. Coming up, we'll examine some of the Las Vegas locals to have success in the world of NASCAR. The spirit of performance is what defines Acura. And now it's electric. Introducing the ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. This is NASCAR Live. Now, back to Mike Bagley. We continue on this week's NASCAR Live from the Bush brothers to now Riley Herbst and Noah Gregson. Las Vegas has become somewhat of a hotbed for successful NASCAR drivers ahead of this weekend's racing at Vegas. Susie Armstrong is here to highlight some of the drivers who have called Sin City home. Las Vegas, Nevada isn't a city that has consistently produced motorsport superstars, but some of NASCAR's most notable names have roots in Sin City. Career win number 56, championship number two, off turn four, looking at the checkered flag, and Kyle Busch scores the win here at the Homestead Miami Speedway. He is a champion yet again in the Monster Energy NASCAR Cup Series. Brothers Kurt and Kyle Busch were born in Vegas. Prior to hanging up the helmet last season, Kurt scored 34 Cup Series victories and the 2004 Cup Championship. Younger sibling Kyle is one of NASCAR's winningest drivers of all time across all three national series. He started at the front of the field. He will finish at the front of the field. Welcome home to Las Vegas. Kyle Busch has won the Victoria's Voice Foundation 200 for the NASCAR Craftsman Truck Series. Even though Kyle doesn't currently reside 
reside in Las Vegas, he's enjoyed seeing his hometown become an epicenter for not just motorsports, but for sports in general. The spectacle was really cool. You know, being in Vegas for the first time, street race, all that sort of stuff. The course was humongous. Like, I thought it was going to be way too big in a, in a terrible race. Honestly, the race was pretty good. Like, there was a third to second place pass on the last lap yeah. with every with the front three within a half a second of each other. So it was a good show. Uh, I thought the Vegas, everybody did a really good job out there. Uh, it was packed from what I saw. Uh, we were in the front stretch suites, and then we also ventured around into the paddock, and the paddock was really full. I bet you the Super Bowl just absolutely destroyed it in Vegas. In 2023, Formula One held their first ever event in the city and will be back again this year in November for their second race in the streets of Las Vegas. Another local who shares Kyle Busch's excitement when it comes to Sin City's growth is Riley Herbst. I think Las Vegas is the sports capital of America. We just had the Super Bowl there with the NHL champion with the Stanley Cup. We just won that. We're getting an MLB team here shortly. I think an NBA team's on the way as well from what I hear and we have two cup races and a Formula One race a year. So uh, we got everything, every flavor of whatever you're into. And But from the motorsports side, I think the town itself is growing more of a fandom of motorsports, whether that be from the Netflix Full Speed or uh, F1 Drive to Survive. It's cool just to see people that I know are a fan of motorsports, whether that be NASCAR or Formula One. I just like people to be invested in the sport that I so love. Just like Kyle Busch, Riley Herbst has had recent success at Las Vegas Motor Speedway. In his fourth year of NASCAR Xfinity Series racing, Herbst finally earned his first career win last fall right in his backyard. This city is this has given my family everything from my great-grandfather down to me, so just to be embraced by the fans on the front straightaway after winning is, is awesome. And to see this town just grow sports from me to the Bush brothers, it's really cool, and hopefully it keeps growing. Herbst has shown promise in brief Cup Series action. In five starts, the 25-year-old scored two top tens. Another driver with Vegas roots is Noah Gregson. Dominating season continues for Noah Gregson here at the Homestead Miami Speedway. Off four to the stripe. Checkered flag is out, and Noah Gregson has won for the eighth time this season. Gregson started his racing career on the property at Las Vegas Motor Speedway, competing at the Bull Ring at a young age. The 25-year-old driver has been close to winning at his home track, but has yet to claim the checkers. In 2018, he nabbed the pole racing in the NASCAR Craftsman Truck Series, and at the Xfinity level, Gregson has finished second on three separate occasions. When NASCAR returns to Las Vegas Motor Speedway this weekend, these are the drivers that would love to take home the trophy in their hometown. Thank you, Susie. Coming up, we'll hear what the drivers are saying ahead of this weekend's Pennzoil 400. There's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? Coming! And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card... Hey, this looks amazing! I'm so glad you made it. And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. It's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. This is NASCAR Live. Now, back to Mike Bagley. Welcome back to NASCAR Live. Some would say the real NASCAR season starts this weekend at the Las Vegas Motor Speedway, with its marking the first true downforce race of the season. What are the drivers like Christopher Bell, Josh Berry, and Kyle Busch expecting out west? Kyle Ricky is here with the details. 
Following back-to-back drafting-style races in the Southeast to start the season, NASCAR's top series now begins its abbreviated 2024 West Coast Swing at the Las Vegas Motor Speedway. Las Vegas has a ton to live up to after we saw a classic race and finish at the Atlanta Motor Speedway this past weekend. The winner of that race was Daniel Suarez. The second career Cup Series victory for the Monterey, Mexico driver came as a surprise to many, and while his playoff future should be secure, Suarez says his goal for the rest of the regular season is to make sure it is less of a surprise when his number 99 car ends up in victory lane. I'm happy that uh, we're able to do it early in the season because some people actually told me earlier, hey, now you can relax, you know, you're in the playoffs. Hell no. My goal is not, win to, is not to win one race. I want to head into a playoffs with at least a handful of, you know, with a few wins to be able to contend for a championship. This is not relaxing here. We, this is only the beginning. We have to continue to work, continue to build. Uh, we know that there is a few things that we could have done a little bit better today. Uh, we learn from that and, and, and we continue to build. Uh, I'm happy that uh, we are secure in the playoffs, but uh, to be able to win the championship, you won't do it winning one or two races. You have to win at least a handful of races to great points and, and that's the goal for a 99 the goal for me and with a 99 is for you guys not to be surprised when the 99 is in victory lane one of the drivers who came up just short to suarez in sunday's finish is kyle bush bush can't be too disappointed though as he sits atop the point standings after two races as bush gets ready to return to his home track he admits that he's always had a love-hate relationship with the speedway even as a kid, I had a love-hate relationship with that place uh, growing up there, racing there, you know. Sometimes you'd win, sometimes you'd not win, you know. So it was always tough and a challenge at the short track, but same for the Super Speedway, you know. I think you just put a lot of pressure on yourself, I do, uh, of wanting to win at your hometown track. When I did win there in 2009, it felt like a Daytona 500 win. I mean, we we partied all night long. Fortunately, the plane got stuck, wasn't able to go home because of snow on the ground in Charlotte. But, yeah, I mean, I think I've outdone the third-place finish at that track over the course of my my career there's more thirds there than anything else so i know very well about being oh too close at the opposite end of the spectrum from bush is joey logano after crashing out of both daytona and atlanta the two-time series champion has a big hole to climb out of as he sits 33rd in points logano could be in for a turnaround at vegas a track that he's won at in the past to do so, Logano says that he'll have to master getting over the bumps in the corners and attacking the restarts, something that he says has changed dramatically at Vegas in the next-gen race car. I mean, some of the big things are just understanding the bumps uh, down at one and two, what's okay and what's too much, uh, even three and four a little bit there. Restarts have changed drastically on how we used to restart there to what it is now as a driver, and, and really just the balance is where the car goes on the long run compared to what it used to be is different too. So all that those things are different outside of just the obvious of how you drive the car. While Logano is looking for yet another trip to victory lane at Las Vegas, a driver who is still looking for his first checkered flag there is Christopher Bell. And while Bell was extremely close to victory lane the last time we raced there, he doesn't feel like the track necessarily owes him anything. Well, certainly, even before this last race, Vegas has been a place where I... 
no, nothing owes it to you, but it's certainly one that we've been really fast at and haven't won it. And even beyond the 20 car, like even in the Xfinity series and the truck series, I've performed well there, but never won there. So uh, certainly Vegas is one that I, I want to win at really bad. A driver who didn't come up short while racing in Vegas in the Xfinity series is Josh Berry. Barry now heads back to the track as a full-time NASCAR Cup Series driver, something he says he's excited for given how he was rushed last year at Vegas when he filled in for the injured Chase Elliott. Yeah, no, I think it's it's been a good track for me. Had, had some, definitely had some success in the Xfinity car. Obviously, the next gen will be a good bit different, but even thinking back last year, I'm, I'm excited to get back and experience that one again. Um, obviously, driving the nine last year, it was all just last second. Last, you know, there was so much going on that weekend, so it'll be nice to go back there and uh, be able to put some preparation in before I go, and then we'll see where you know, SHR as a whole, how, how we stack up, right? Everybody's been working really hard. I think that's the race that they have circled internally as the first intermediate to see uh, where we've made gains. So I think we're all excited to get there. Barry and Logano will be amongst the drivers in the Ford camp who will be interested to see how the new Dark Horse Mustang races at the first downforce track of the season. Barry's teammate Ryan Priest is going into this weekend optimistic, given the information that has already been available to him. Going into Vegas, I feel really good about the, the Ford Dark Horse and, and some of the information that we've seen coming into this year. Uh, all, all the gains that we made that, that we were all working towards last year. So obviously they were able to win the championship, but even with what we had, and the Dark Horse is going to make it that much better. So will Chevy continue their hot streak in the gambling capital of the world? Or will Ford or Toyota cash in and get on board with their first victory of the season? We'll find out in Sunday afternoons, Pennzoil 400. Thank you, Kyle. Coming up, we'll give you a sneak peek into episode two of NASCAR Live Presents 2004 Chasing History. This is NASCAR Live. Now, back to Mike Bagley. We're about to head for the exits on this week's NASCAR Live. Before we do, I want to give a big thank you to the thousands of you who downloaded and listened to the first episode of our new podcast series, NASCAR Live presents 2004 Chasing History. Episode two is out now, and it highlights the final race at Rockingham and the final victory of Rusty Wallace's Hall of Fame career. Here's a little taste of what to expect when you hear this week's episode. Now let's go back to Rusty Wallace. Entering the eighth race of the season, his winless streak stood at 105 races and was nearing almost three full calendar years with his last win coming at the California Speedway on April 29, 2001. It was time to head to Martinsville, though, a track where Rusty had already won six times in the past. Given his second-place finish at Bristol a few weeks prior, many thought this could finally be the week. Rusty had stiff competition, though, with drivers like Jeff Gordon, Jimmy Johnson, and Dale Earnhardt Jr. starting up front. Jeff Gordon brings him down out of turn number four, waiting for the green flag, not yet in line, about 100 feet from the line. Now the green flag goes out, and Jeff Gordon jumps on the throttle, races off to turn number one, goes in there all by himself, front two run nose to tail. Wallace started 17th that day, but lurked around the top five all afternoon. Now, while he had solid speed, he didn't seem to have race-winning speed of Gordon, Johnson, and Earnhardt Jr., who all led over 100 laps in that race. Rusty, though, was in a position to pounce late in the going when one of the odder scenes in the history of Martinsville Speedway occurred. A pothole developed in turn three, and a piece of the track came loose, 
and struck Gordon's car. This race has been red flagged. The field is stopped in the middle of the back straightaway over there. They're taking a look at the bottom of the racetrack where the concrete is uh, down, and apparently they have a crack in the concrete maybe, or a chunk of it, we understand, might have come up over there. They want to take a look at it and see what they need to do, make sure this racetrack is safe before they would go back to green. Let's go over to Mike Bagley over there. Yeah, Barney, safety crews and NASCAR officials on the scene now, and their attentions are focused on a hole, I'd say about maybe five or six inches wide, maybe uh, square inches, that is, and, and and basically a little chunk of concrete has come out, was sitting in the outside lane, but now they're basically stuck with a crater down on the inside in this concrete groove, and right now they're trying to assess the situation of what they could do. It looks like that uh, another piece could come up, and that's what they're trying to do to make that as safe as possible for when we do go back under green flag conditions. One of the drivers that reported to NASCAR the problem with the track. Jeff, uh, did you receive any damage to the car, and how much did it do? Oh, yeah, we received a lot of damage. Uh, I mean, I, I hit it. That, there's a huge piece of concrete sitting right in the middle of the track, and, you know, I just clipped it with the right front fender. And Check out the full episode. NASCAR Live presents 2004 Chasing History. It drops every Monday wherever you get your podcast. Episode 2, ready for you right now. Our thanks to William Byron and Rick Hendrick for joining us on the show this week. Also, a big thanks to Daniel Suarez for joining us on this week's show. For producer Trey and the rest of the MRN crew, I'm Mike Bagley. Thank you so much for being with us, and we'll chat with you again next Tuesday night at 7 p.m. for another edition of NASCAR Live. Until then, so long, everybody. NASCAR Live is a production of the Motor Racing Network with studios in Concord, North Carolina, and was brought to you by Toyota. For the latest Toyota racing information, visit toyotaracing.com. Today's broadcast was produced by Trey Downey, Pat Jaggers, and Julian Council. The executive producer for MRN is Ryan Horn. Remember to visit MRN.com for all of the latest news and information. NASCAR Live is produced under an exclusive license with NASCAR. Any use of the accounts and descriptions contained in this broadcast must be with the express written permission of NASCAR and the Motor Racing Network.